This is a Locker Room Production. Hello, 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 and welcome. This is Talk the Plank, episode five of Pittsburgh Pirates podcast on SB Nation's Bucks Dugout. I'm Nathan Hirsch, and today we are going to recap the Pirates versus Padres series, just talking some buckos in general. Pirates just lost to the Padres 8-3, to three, split the series to a piece, and uh, right now they're 5-8. and eight. The team, to me, I would say this this pretty much is what it is, 5-8. and eight. It's about a 62-win pace all season long. That's kind of how this team is and uh there were some some good things this series some bad things we'll start with the bad though Mitch Keller today was just absolutely dreadful um after a really good start against the Cubs last weekend when he pitched five innings and only gave up one run he was pretty terrible today three and a third nine hits seven earned runs three walks just one strikeout and the hard hits, hard hit balls in general that he was giving up was just something to behold. I actually tweeted in the first inning, he gave up five hits and the exit velocities on those hits, just giving up hard shot after hard shot. I'm pulling it up here right now. Uh, started the game 107.3 miles per hour, 102.8, 100.3. 100.4 or 104.4, 98.3 miles per hour. He was just giving up blasts and he gave up four runs in the first inning. And that was pretty much it for the Pirates. Um, they lost eight to three. Mitch Keller, one step forward, a few steps back. And his ERA at this point now, after three starts, is 8.78. It's obviously not good. He just. He just looks uncomfortable out there, basically, is, is is what it is. Doesn't seem all too confident. I also, I'll give the San Diego Padres hitters some credits. It seems it seemed like they were on that high fastball that uh, Mitch Keller really had some success with last weekend against the Cubs. The Padres, it seemed, may have game-planned around that. They were looking for it. And a few of their hits came on that high fastball. Other than that, though, the breaking stuff was hanging. Uh, Manny Machado in the first inning hit a home run. That was off of a hanging either curveball or slider. And Keller really couldn't get into a groove, and he struggled. Interesting uh, game decision by Derek Shelton in this game as well. In the bottom of the second inning, the Pirates were down 6-1. to one. Mitch Keller came up to bat with one out and the bases were loaded, and at that point, I believe he had thrown maybe 56 pitches. He had given up four runs in the first, second runs in the – or two runs in the second, excuse me, and Shelton decided to put him out there and let him hit. He struck out. Adam Frazier then got out after, and the Pirates may have had a chance to put some runs on the board and maybe get back into the game, but – they didn't score any runs there, remained 6-1, to one, and the offense really didn't do too much in this game. But, um, yeah, overall, the Pirates kind of dug themselves a hole before they could really do anything. Um, 
and it was a struggle. I'm here on locker room right now. We've got some people in the room. If you'd like to speak, please come up. If you have any thoughts on the game and the series in general, here we got Joe. Joe, how are you doing? Good, good. Um, so on on Keller, uh, it, it's disheartening after you know having a good start last time out. Um, and if it's like this all year, I mean, would would you no matter what you know, barring like total meltdown, um, say leave him in the rotation all year, no matter what, or would you you know if if he strings together a few bad ones? option him once the minor league season starts or or maybe even put him in the pen um and i i asked that just because you know you get flashbacks to glass now and i think part of his struggles was you know he was kind of jerked around between the minors you know the rotation and the bullpen um so in something that's going to be a lost year um you know what's your what's your thinking with with uh if it's not always going great what uh i guess how you would handle him for sure i mean with Keller, I feel like, obviously, you he's going to have a really long leash. Um, like you said, the minor league season doesn't start till May, so he'll at least have a few, a few more starts before that even becomes maybe a question. I just think, I think you roll with him. Like, like you said, this is kind of, uh, it's a season to see what you got, you know? With Keller, he's... He's got the stuff, obviously. The, the high fastball plays. It didn't play today, obviously. The breaking stuff is good. It just with him, it's command, and it just seems like overall confidence. He needs he needs an AJ Burnett type to come in and shake him up a little bit and tell him to just go for it and not be not be down on himself. Basically, that's kind of what it seems like everyone's reading into him right now. But yeah, when it comes to him, I think you just you got to let him keep going this season start after start keep trotting him out there if it gets to a point in the middle of the year where you know he goes through like maybe a five start stretch where he's just getting lit up in every single start then maybe you have a discussion about sending him down or maybe putting him on the il for one of those fake injuries to maybe get his head straight but i don't know i i feel like with keller like we're three starts in Two of the starts were terrible. One of the starts was really good. We'll see. Um, I just think I think you got to roll with him for the time being at least, obviously. See where he's at after 11 or 12 starts and then kind of go from there. But I would definitely not think about putting him in the bullpen whatsoever. I think he has to be a starter on this team. And, um, I, I mean, you just got to see what he's got, you know. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, um, no, I agree with that. Part of me is curious to see how it would look in the bullpen. Uh, I'm getting more and more convinced that um, he might be a reliever long term, and and there are you know prospect guys that have been saying that um, for a few years now, uh, which, which has always been kind of scary. But yeah, I I agree. I I'd go with it till. You know, it becomes untenable. Um, and I, I might almost. I guess the only part part I disagree on is I might put him in the pen before I option him back yeah. to the back to the minors. But, but yeah, a, another one. Um, a guy that's frustrating, and I think will be, and I think as a reliever is is cool. Um, yeah. 
it, would you would you say he's going to be maybe the first guy out of the rotation if if any of these um, guys from the the satellite camp come up? Uh, I guess I don't I, off the top of my head. I don't know who the first one would be. Maybe you sure Cody Bolton. Yeah, or, or yeah. Bolton. You her Miguel. You her. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Thing about Cole. Yeah. Two straight starts in which he's hit someone literally in the head. That is terrible. And both times, I mean, he, he, obviously there was no intent. He's just extremely wild right now. Um, I think with Cole, you know, hopefully the Pirates get Stephen Brault back. I kind of like the idea of those two piggybacking off of each other, kind of like they did last year. Um, but yeah, Chad Cole in game one of the series, I think he had more than five walks. He may have had six or seven. I don't have it right here. But yeah, the, the control with him has just been absolutely terrible. And for a couple of years now, there have been people kind of wanting him to be a bullpen arm. And I feel like in the bullpen, he, he would be solid. I mean, the stuff is is there with the mid to high 90s fastball. But yeah, I mean, we'll see. Middle of the year, what happens? Maybe some guys get traded, some guys get called up. If I had to bounce one guy out of the rotation right now, I think Cole would be that first guy because... I mean, Keller, it's a process with him. He, he has a longer leash. Brubaker has looked pretty decent so far. And then the two veterans, they're just there, Anderson and Cahill, to eat innings and just, you know, keep the game moving. So, yeah, yeah. Cole has just – he's just been so freaking wild so far. It's yeah. been yeah. tough to watch. Yeah, his starts have, like – they've had me missing a guy like Brault where just in terms of somebody who's – I'm going to sit down and watch the game most nights. It's it's a bear to have to even watch his starts. You know, like the one from Anderson last night was good in terms of yeah, watchability. Yeah, it was refreshing and, and to Brault, see a guy kind of has, Yeah, Brault has watchable games too just because he's going to pound the zone and stuff. Yeah, Ethan here comments. He thinks the pitching coach goes before Keller does. Um that could definitely be a possibility. I kind of like Oscar Marine, the pitching coach. He came from Houston, and you could tell that he brought over the uh, – it's funny. With Searage, you had sinker, slider, fastballs down, play off that, and then Marine is kind of the new school, fastballs up, play your curveball off of that. I don't know. I mean, they last year was his first year. This is his second year. I don't see them – uh, getting rid of, getting rid of him anytime soon, but you know if, if Keller does struggle and he kind of follows the glass now route of struggling here and going elsewhere and succeeding, you you never know. But yeah, for now, I just feel like I feel like he'll be here. I feel like everyone is pretty much safe with their jobs this season at least because this season is kind of just more of a development season. Next year, though, if there's no progression and a lot of these young guys aren't getting better, then, yeah, we definitely could see some more changes. I I would definitely uh, expect that. The pitching, you know, in this series, it's funny. Cole struggled. Keller struggled. And then Tyler Anderson and Trevor Cahill actually had some pretty good starts. The pitching, at least the starting pitching, is going to probably be mostly inconsistent. The bullpen, though, I mean – the bullpen in the, the middle two games were pretty solid. And even today, I mean, after Keller got lit up, uh, 
they kind of hunkered down, only gave up one run over five and two thirds. Luis Oviedo, the uh, the guy I find pretty fun, the 21 year old who had never pitched above high A. I keep harping on that, but uh, two outings this series. He got lit up in the first game of the series, and today he gave up a run in two innings. But um, stuff. I mean, once again with him, just kind of. It's kind of a process with him. You got to see, see what's going to happen. Other relievers, though, Clay Holmes was solid today. Uh, Felice and Bednar each had scoreless innings. The bullpen's pretty nice. I'm pleasantly surprised with the bullpen. You look at Dwayne Underwood Jr. from the Cubs. He's been solid in eight and a third. Richard Rodriguez is obviously good. I think he's going to be a solid trade ship at the deadline and might bring a nice little return in terms of prospects, uh, Stratton's fine. Kyle Crick, although super wild in that crazy Tuesday game when, or yeah, Tuesday game when there was a million walks, he, he hasn't given up a run yet. Actually, no, has he? No, he's not given up a run yet. So he's been solid. The bullpen's nice. I do like the bullpen. Question here from Nate. Could you see the Pirates taking the opener approach since some of these guys are struggling to get five-plus innings? I do like that idea, Um, especially for someone like Chad Cole. Chad Cole is probably the only pitcher on this roster that I would like to see. Maybe they have an opener for him. But then again, I don't know. If his first inning is in the second inning, who's to say he won't be just as wild as he would be in any first inning? Cole's kind of a guy. I feel like he, he's kind of an emotional pitcher. Um, he, get a, he gets out there. He's ramped up. He's ready to go kind of too much. And then he settles in and throws a few good innings. And then he just maybe loses it again. Overall this year, I just think Cole has been a lot worse than he actually is. The control is always an issue. But, I mean, he's 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 got good stuff. Ethan, again. I think the pitching coach goes before, or sorry, Keller just needs to go on the mound with confidence, getting kind of sad that he looks unprepared and not enthusiastic. I agree. I mean, he just, he just doesn't have the look of a killer out there. It's just kind of going through the motions. It's just kind of blah with him and the stuff, like I said, the mid to nine, mid to high nineties fastball is there. Changeup kind of sucks. But the slider's nice. I'd like to see him use his curveball a little more because that was the pitch coming up through the minors that everyone really was excited about. But so far this season, he's more leaned on the slider more than the curveball. But, I mean, it's a process. 13 games in. The team's 5-8. and After 1-6, and it looked like the sky was falling. It looked like this team was going to struggle to win 50 games. I think we can kind of put that behind us. We know they're not good, obviously. This isn't a good baseball team. But it's not a historically terrible baseball team. They're just the they're just your average bad baseball team. You know? They're bad. They're not they're not gonna win like seventy five games probably, but I think the sixty to seventy range is is uh I think that is a good goal for them wins-wise this season. On the positive side, I mean, looking at the offense, 
they've been able to string together some hits. I joked before this series started that I thought the over-under for runs scored by the Pirates in this series was going to be 12 and a half. In the first game, they got dominated by U Darvish. That's pretty, pretty standard. U Darvish is a really great starting pitcher in this league. The second game, they bounced Blake Snell out after the first inning. Nobody saw that coming, especially after he got two quick outs. Pirates strung together some hits. Uh, third game, once again, they did pretty well to make Joe Musgrove work after his no-hitter. Musgrove lasted only four innings. He only gave up that one run on that Gregory Polanco home run, but 80 pitches through four, and then the Pirates were able to break it open in the eighth inning last night. Today, they had some chances, and uh, only three runs. Probably should have only been one run because the Padres' right fielder dropped a fly ball to help the Pirates score two to make it a 7-3 game, I believe, at that point. But in terms of making contact, the offense is nice. The only thing, though, with this offense that, that sucks is the fact that they still have very little power. There's, there's not a lot of home run threats on this team. Coming into today, they only had 10 home runs, and they still only have 10 home runs. That's near the bottom of the league. Before today, it was 26. We'll see where they're at by the end of the day. Um, it's tough to string hits. It really is. With today's pitching, it's tough to put together rallies, and that's kind of how the Pirates are built. And uh, they had a lot of uh, runners in scoring position luck this series in their two wins where they were able to get some clutch hits, but that's not always going to happen. And, um, I mean, they just they just lack power. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Phillip Evans has three home runs. That's nice. Moran has two. But, I mean, other than that, there's just there's just nothing. Gonzalez has one. Polanco has one. Brian Hayes had his opening day home run. And then Wilmer Defoe hit that home run last Sunday. That's It's just tough. I will say, though, uh, shout out Adam Frazier. Kind of harping on him a little bit after the one and six start. He had a really nice series, two doubles yesterday. So far on the year, he's hitting 289, 411, 444. He's definitely helping the trade uh, trade value. So the offense as a whole, I'm pleasantly surprised. There's no power at all, which in today's MLB, it's tough to uh, get by with lack of power, but. So far, they've been able to kind of string together some hits. On the negative, though, I mean, Kevin Newman just continues to just be pretty terrible, honestly. 174, 191, 217 is the line right now. Continues just weak contact after weak contact. Ironically, he actually uh, hit a hard line drive today, but it was caught by the second baseman, so he couldn't get the runners in. Um but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Ethan here says we could see a Jared Oliver call-up soon with the lack of center field production. I definitely agree with that. Although, shout-out to Anthony Alford. He got his first hit of the year. He's now 1-for-20 20 in 25 or 24 plate appearances so far. 
one hit and 20 at-bats, 15 strikeouts. Joe, I know you're a big play index guy. I wonder if, uh, if you could look up a time that someone has struck out fi- – a position player has struck out 15 times in 19 at-bats. That's just pretty incredible to me. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right, though, Ethan. Dustin Fowler isn't really doing it for me either. Hitting 167, 235, 200. Uh, we had this conversation. I was talking about it last part of what's going to happen when Cabrian Hayes gets back from the IL, which hopefully could be within the next week or two. They said he's swinging a bat. He's eligible to come off any day, but uh, hopefully he's back soon. What do you do with Philip Evans? Um, I kind of jokingly throughout that maybe the Pirates should perhaps put Adam Frazier at shortstop and have Evans play second base. But I think, um, yeah, Ethan right here says put Evans in left field, maybe move Reynolds to center. I think that's the answer because um, a lot of people, it's pretty funny, a lot of people were coming at Gregory Polanco saying that he needs to be – the guy to leave the lineup, but all of a sudden, I mean, the line's still not good. He's batting 200, but the on base 349, that's among the leaders on this team. And the slugging after his home run is up to 314. Uh, Gregory Polanco is definitely not one of the worst hitters on this team. He needs to stay in the lineup and try to maybe squeeze out any trade value that he might have. I don't know. Perhaps the Pirates could pay off a salary and trade Gregory Polanco for maybe like a C prospect, a C graded prospect. Who knows? Maybe a lottery ticket. But yeah, the thing with this team, at least with the hitters, I mean, there's there's some solid guys. I would say Frazier's solid. Brian Reynolds, pretty solid. Colin Moran, I mean, he he continues. Another two hits today. He sent 311, 404, 511. He's solid. Even Eric Gonzalez, I mean, he's hitting 257. He doesn't walk at all, 278 on base, but he is slugging 429, which isn't great, but on this team, it's above average. He can at least hit a little bit. Jacob Stallings, I'll give him credit. He's hitting over 300, 303, 452 on base, and then the slugging's 424, which he doesn't have power, but he's your catcher. If he can hit like that, you'll take that every day. There is some decent hitters on this team, but at the bottom of the roster, it's just god-awful. Fowler has been awful. Anthony Alford, we we said it. He has been just terrible. Uh, Wilmer Defoe, honestly, it's funny. He struck out four times in five innings uh, a few days ago in that crazy 8-4 to win, but in uh, – in 19 at bats, I mean, he has a few hits and he's he's slugging over, he's slugging close to 700. So he strikes out a ton, but he's at least had a few decent hits. But yeah, I mean, some of these guys, Kevin Newman, like I said, has just been terrible. Uh, so it's funny. Also, yesterday I made a joke on Twitter that. Uh, I said over under three and a half hits for the Pirates five to nine hitters and their five through nine hitters 
were Kevin Newman. Let me see here. Gregory Polanco, who actually did have two hits. Dustin Fowler, who had one hit. Michael Perez, that's another guy. He got his first hit today. Shout out to him. And then Tyler Anderson. The five through nine in their lineup had three hits. So the under hit, if you took that. Um, But, yeah, Ethan says here the payroll would be about $37 million without Polanco. The MLBPA would hate that. That would, honestly, at that point, would be hilarious because – if that happened, you'd have you would then have multiple players, I believe, making more money than the Pirates total. I think Trevor Bauer does already. Um, but I mean, yeah. The offense, it's decent. It is decent in terms of, you know, hitting. The power though, not good at all. But like I said. I think I said this on the last pod. If you have a lineup, let's say this is your lineup. Adam Frazier, second base. We'll put Hayes second, third base. Colin Moran, third at uh, first base. Or no, Brian Reynolds, third in center field. Colin Moran, fourth at first base. Philip Evans, fifth in left field. Gregory Polanco, sixth right field. Jacob Stallings, seventh at catcher. And then whoever you want to throw at shortstop. Honestly, at this point, I'd say Eric Gonzalez eighth at shortstop and then the pitcher. That's not the worst lineup in the world. It's definitely not good. It's probably not the worst lineup in the MLB, though. I mean, we'll see how long Colin Moran can keep up his uh, hot streak here in April, but I don't know. It, it is funny, though. When this team was 1-6, it was all hands on deck. How are they going to win 30 games? This is the worst team of all time. How pathetic. Blah, 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 blah. And, yeah, they are pretty bad. But, like I said, they're just average bad. And if you squeeze your eyes and look at it, it's it's not that terrible. In terms of, like, interesting watching them, I mean – the big complaint with baseball right now is that it's all home runs and strikeouts, blah, 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 blah. The Pirates at least put the ball in play. <laughs> they don't hit a lot of home runs, but they do. They've put some rallies together this season, and they have scored some runs. So I'll give them that. Um, it's it's all right. Yeah, Ethan says here on his pod today, Locked on Pirates, he said if the Pirates somehow managed to sweep the Brewers, they'd be 8-8. Eight and eight. So that would be funny to see. They do play the Brewers, although a sweep, a sweep at Milwaukee's Brewers Park. I don't know what it's called anymore. It's not Miller Park. I'm just going to refer to it as Miller Park. Maybe the name change will actually affect Pirates Juju, and they will be able to win there. But yeah, looking at the schedule, they'll be at Milwaukee this weekend for the next three. Looking at the uh, pitching matches, matchups, tomorrow is JT Brubaker against Adrian Hauser. Hauser's fine, but I think that's pretty much a wash in terms of pitching matchups. Saturday, we have Trevor Cahill against Brett Anderson. Once again, I'd say that's a wash. They're both fine. They're not great. They're just, they're whatever. 
Sunday afternoon. That game's at 210. We have Chad Cole, God bless his heart, against Freddie Peralta. I will give the edge to the Brewers there with Freddie Peralta, who has been uh, pretty solid in two starts. He's only given up one run. So, although he has walked nine over 13 innings. Although, although he struck out 24. So, Freddie Peralta, he's kind of like rich man's Chad Cool. A little wild, can strike batters out. But, yeah, I mean, he's only given up one run. Chad Cool. Looking at Chad Cool's stats so far this season. Chad Cool, three starts, 10 and two thirds. He's only given up seven hits, but he's given up 11 runs. And eight of those runs have been earned. He has 15 walks in 10 innings. 15 walks. He had seven in his last start. I was wondering that. Seven walks in his last start. 15 on the season. Eight strikeouts. I feel like with Chad Cole, I mean, the only way, only way to go is up. He, uh, he'll start Sunday. After the Brewers... The Pirates travel to Detroit. That's a team that's kind of on their level when it comes to talent, you know. Detroit also kind of sucks. Detroit this season, ah, oh, well, actually, they're 6-6. Six and six. So we'll, we'll give them a little bit of credit. But, I mean, grand scheme of things, both teams do not expect to do much winning this year. After the... Um, Tigers. Let me see here. The Pirates go at the Twins. Yikes. That might be a tough tough uh, tough matchup. Okay. Apparently the, the Tigers swept the Astros. So good for the Tigers. I mean we'll see. At the Twins after the Tigers though. And then the Pirates return home at the end of April. They uh, They have two with Kansas City. Three with St. Louis for a short five-game homestand. And then the beginning of the May, beginning of May, they go at San Diego. So, yeah, this team is five and eight. I've said that a million times, I feel like. They're, they're meh. They're bad. They're fine. Still in last place. But there are some bright spots. Phillip Evans, once again, on the year, 342, 444, 632 slugging. His WRC plus is 193. He's been worth 0.7 F war, which honestly, that, that's got to be among the league league leaders. Let me just see that right now. Uh, looking at the war leaders here on fangraphs.com. Philip Evans is well, maybe not among the leaders, but his 0.7 is tied for 13th, I believe. Right now, the lead leader, league leader is Ronald Acuna, who is just – he had a home run again today. He's been insane, so we'll give him that. Also, yeah, Byron Buxton has also been insane for the Twins. And then usual candidates, Mike Trout, he's up there. He's the best player probably to ever live. Um, but yeah. Joe, you got anything else you want to comment on the Pirates after this 2-2 two to two series tie with the San Diego Padres? Um, no, I don't, I don't, I don't have anything else now. Yeah. Nate, you're in here too. If you, if you'd like to, uh, 
have some takes here on the Pirates. Thanks for joining, Nate, as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. They're more fun to watch, I think, than I thought they would be. And that's without Cabrian Hayes. I thought their watchability when they lost Hayes was going to just go down the tube completely. They would just be so terrible. I mean, even more terrible than than we, we thought. But there's been some decent little surprises. Philip Evans being one of them. The ability of Jacob Stallings to be fun in general and hit a little bit. He's been a pleasant surprise here um, with the – with the clutch hits and the base running and the quickness and the cheetah nickname, Colin Moran hitting has just been fun to watch. He's been he's been solid. So um, we'll see. I'd like to see Gregory Polanco turn it around and be solid, but that's just me. That's my own personal <laughs> my own personal wishes there. On the I... pitching side, I mean, like we said, that Saturday game that Mitch Pe- Keller pitched against the Cubs. That is what Pirates fans have been waiting for since he came up and he delivered and he looked great. He only walked one. He struck out seven. He probably got to pitch longer than five innings, but the Pirates were very cautious as they should be. He only threw around 70 something pitches, but he was great. And then today, I mean, obviously he struggled. Uh, Tyler Anderson and Trevor Cahill. I mean, Cahill got lit up in that first start against the Reds, who were just, I mean, they were crushing everybody, so you can't really put that against him. But those two, I mean, they're pretty decent. They're big league starters. They may not be great. They may not be good, but they're solidly average. And, Joe, like you said, the watchability of uh, just seeing Tyler Anderson, you, you flip on the game, he gets outs, Pretty quick outs. That first inning yesterday, or what was it? I think it was yesterday. First inning yesterday, seven pitches. It's just a beautiful thing to see. And um, those two, I've I've uh, I've enjoyed. I've been I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed watching them play. Nate, when Hayes comes back, does Evan stay in the lineup? Yes, he most definitely stays in the lineup. I would guess right now that. Uh, I would guess when Evan come, Evans comes back, they would probably send Alfred to the alternative site to uh, kind of work on some things, slide Brian Reynolds over to center field, put Evans in left. And, I mean, the outfield defense in that case, you're kind of just throwing that away. Yeah. I think they'd have well, to DFA Alfred, not that anybody would claim him. Yeah, they and would have to he'd DFA Alfred. You're right. But. But yeah, I um, I think one of the more interesting things that could happen this season is if Evans, you know, keeps us up and Hayes comes back and is, uh, you know, as expected, one of the leaders for Rookie of the Year. And to see how how, um, how our announcing team, uh, I guess, treats their their individual Rookie of the Year cases, um, if they if they give them equal credence or if they play favorites you know yeah, know, because be. it was going to be you know greg and and block you know pounding the drum all year for you know Hayes. but if they were both in it that would be that'd be interesting that is definitely an interesting uh storyline to keep an eye on moving forward because yeah i mean 
if there was a rookie of the year, if that if that award was given out 13 games into the season, I think Philip Evans would probably win pretty handily. Uh, but it will be interesting because, yeah, they potentially do have two guys that will finish in the top five, top three perhaps. It would be crazy if they finish one, two. I know Carlson on the Cardinals is pretty solid as well. But, yeah, that'll be that'll be fun to watch because – on one hand, you have Hayes. He's kind of the uh, the chosen one for this iteration of the Pirates. He's the guy that they're going to build around. He's their core piece, their one super core piece that you expect to be on the next winning team for the Pirates. But then on the other hand, you have Hayes, who is kind of a journeyman. He's 28 years old. He's now just kind of putting it together. And uh, that would be an interesting race for sure. And... <laughs> You're right. It would definitely be interesting to see how the announcers, Brownie and Block and the whole crew, how they approach kind of describing that. Have you heard Caps at all? I haven't uh, seen a broadcast where, where he was on it yet. I uh, think he yeah, was today. actually, um, I will say Matt Caps. I've listened on the radio a little bit. I think he's been on the radio with Block all four of these San Diego Padres games. And I I like what he has to say. Um, Matt Caps as the color guy, I will say I like him more than the Fort, Mike McHenry. <laughs> um, although I like to joke about the Fort, Mike McHenry, that he kind of stinks, but he's he makes good points. It's just the voice for me. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't really have the best broadcasting voice. And uh, Matt Caps, though, he, he's he been pretty solid. He actually uh, he was talking about Trevor Cahill, and he used a term that I had never heard of uh, called Xing the zone. And I thought it was pretty interesting that he uh, kind of explained what that meant in that with Kale, he has the two-seam fastball that, against righties, runs in against them, and then he has the curveballs that runs away, and he described it as Xing the zone, and uh, I thought that was interesting. I do like Matt Caps in the limited time that I've listened. I haven't listened to a full game on radio, but, you know, just kind of driving home, first few innings, I have gotten to hear a little bit of him and in the pregame show as well. And, uh, yeah, no, I definitely do like Matt Caps. Um, who else do they have? Is, is Kevin Young still doing it? Doing a few games? I'm not sure. I think he's I know it's kind of like to, broadcast but... by committee at this point, but. Yeah. I'm not sure. But, yeah, Matt Caps, pretty solid. I haven't gotten to talk about this yet on the pod, and uh, it's an interesting question. And we've we've talked about it a little bit just in general. The the number one overall pick for the Pirates is it's a it's a debate. Vanderbilt has two amazing pitchers, Kumar Rocker and uh, Jack Leiter. With Rocker, he. Uh, he kind of burst onto the scene first. He had that legendary 19 strikeout, no hitter against Duke in 2019. I think he's a junior. I think Leiter's a year younger. Uh, both have been just insanely amazing this season. Leiter threw a no hitter. I think Rocker had. I don't think he had a. Did he have a no hitter? 
or did he had a complete game? I remember seeing that they both pitched well over 115 pitches in a start, and I was just like, Jesus Christ. But um, yeah, what do you think? Every- who, who, what team are you on right now between those two? I'll give you my answer after. Well, I'm seeing that, I guess, Rocker's velocity's been a little down um, mm-hmm. the past few starts. Um, so I, you'd hope that bounces back before the draft, and I, I suppose it probably will because – I, they're going to play their whole season I, since the draft is in July now. Um, but yeah, I'd probably go lighter. Yeah, I agree. I think lighter has uh, slightly better stuff. The frames are different. Uh, Rocker is freaking tank, 6'5", 245, something like that. Probably pushing 250 where lighter, I think he's six foot, maybe like 190. But, uh I don't know. I I like I think Lighter's fastball is a little more lively. I think his breaking stuff has a little more movement and is a little sharper. And he's younger. Um, how funny would this be though if if uh, Pirates have the first pick? Obviously this season. What if Lighter stayed in school one extra year? Pirates snag Rocker this year. Get the number one pick again <laughs> next year, and then they just snag Jack later. That would be insane. That would—that's best case scenario. But yeah. assuming the lighter uh, declares for the draft, I think right now, like you said, the draft is still months away. But I yeah. think I'm team Jack later. Yeah, the thing that gets me going about him—I read a thing on Fangraphs, I think last week, uh, by Kevin Goldstein. Um, I kind of went over the you know, metrics on lighters fastball and how he, like he has that, that ride on it through the zone. Um, yeah. You know, the one that, that plays good up there and it's, you know, right up there with, cause they have the track man data or whatever on it. And it's up there with, right. you know, uh, Cole DeGrom. It's like the same type of that, that kind of fastball. And that's what, that's what kind of, gets me is that you know that i mean that's yeah, the way like everything's rises. going and yeah yeah so. um before we go we'll go here in a minute just want to mention uh david bednar pittsburgh guy solid <clears throat> 90s fastball he's been great um and before we go i uh I just wanted to ask Nate. I don't know if he'll join. I would like him to join. But Nate is in this group right now. And he said he's faced David Bednar. Wow. Actually, in uh, in real games. Because Bednar obviously went to, um, where'd he go? Mars High School? Mars, yeah. Yeah, Nate went to knock. And he said he faced him. I don't know if he's going to get on. But <laughs> that'd be great if he could tell us what it was like facing him. But yeah, anyways, Bednar was just, he's just been pretty solid. I mean, today, what did he do today? He had a scoreless inning. He, did he give up any hits? I think he gave up that one hit that should have been, um, should have been caught by Brian Reynolds. Let me see here. I'm pulling up the box score right now. I don't know if Nate's going to join us. I'm going to be very sad about that. Well, while we're on the but, subject uh, of uh, of Bednar and the draft, uh, I was reading Keith Law's uh, draft rankings today, and 
Um, Dave Bednar's little brother, Will, is a right-handed pitcher at Mississippi State, and Kefal had him 37. So right there, maybe in the range for the Pirates' second pick. Yeah, it uh, could be a second the younger rounder. Bednar. Um, yeah, David Bednar today, though. Another inning pitched. Only gave up a hit. Didn't strike out anyone. Didn't walk anyone. But I think he has... Uh, I think he has back of the bullpen stuff, and uh, I really like, you know, I guess you could just say Pirates won the trade. David Bednar helped the Pirates win on two or yesterday, and uh, Joe Musgrove did not help beat the Pirates yesterday. And we don't really care about no hitters here. No, we do. We're very happy for Joe Musgrove. To uh, it was cool to see him get a no hitter. Even though last night, uh, Wednesday night, there was another no hitter by Carlos Rodon. So I guess no hitters are just they're just whatever. Get a no hitter every week, I guess. Um, I'm joking there though. David Bednar though on the season five and two thirds innings. It's given up four hits, two runs. Both runs came on solo homers and um. Five strikeouts, two walks. He's been solid. I think that'll do it for today's pod here on Talk the Plank on SB Nation. I'm Nathan Hirsch. Follow me on Twitter at Nathan underscore Hirsch. You can follow Bucks Dugout on Twitter at Bucks, B-U-C-S, Dugout. D-U-G-O-U-T. I'm uh, trying to think how to spell here. But, yeah, tomorrow we got Pirates at Brewers. I'll have another podcast after that series. Maybe then we could get Nate on to uh, explain what it was like to face David Bettnar. That's a teaser. I promise I will get him on at some point to uh, explain that to me, what that was like. I was actually texting him, and I was joking. I said, what was it like? Did he throw 98 when you faced him in high school? And he said, no, he didn't throw 98, more like 90. But uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. As always, Talk the Plank, Episode 5. Tune in next time, and uh, we'll be here talking Buckos baseball all season long. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Peace.